All right. Um, so we're going to be in, in, uh, in Luke. I, I said that. I uh, hope I'm not making too big of a deal um, out of a verse. I don't think I am. Uh, but, but just putting that out there, if, if you think I'm at the end of this, if you say, hey, you're making way too big of a deal out of basically one verse in Scripture, um, and I'm happy to, to talk through that. I think what Luke uh, in his gospel wants us to see um, is, a, <laughs> is this sort of this, this amazing picture of the humanity of Jesus, uh, the perfect human being filled with the Spirit perfectly, being led by the Spirit perfectly, uh, submitting himself to the Father perfectly, and then he's showing us a picture of what uh, human beings look like um, that are not named Jesus, uh, look like in, in increasingly uh, seeing him more and more and more and then submitting themselves to him. And so you've got this picture, of, I mean, in everybody. So, so the woman we're going to talk about, Mary, uh, today, she is a human being not named Jesus, and so she is not a perfect uh, human being at all. Uh, if you have a Catholic background, you may disagree with that, uh, and we can talk about that later. Um, but, but, the, but the reality is, is there is not a perfect human being that's not named Jesus Christ, okay? And so I think Luke is like very honest about that and about what it looks like even to see and to hear and respond uh, to what Jesus is calling us to, okay? Uh, and so, um, again, don't want to make too much of this, uh, but, but I do believe humanity is, 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 it, is a, it's important um, because God created humans and we're created in his likeness and image. All right, so this morning, I want you to think about something. Before we jump, that's my disclaimer. I think that's what that's called, right? All right, so this morning, I want you to think about something that admittedly may be difficult for you to think about, and, and, and I don't want you to answer this question aloud. A lot of times we do dialogue, and there'll be some of that a little bit later, um, but I want you to think about this for the next few moments. I want you to think about a time when you received news that caused you to be deeply troubled. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm going I'm to be quiet in a minute, but well, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about something that just caused you, your, your like day, one day or two days to be ruined. I, I'm not a single moment. I'm talking about news that went so deep that you absolutely knew that the rest of your life was going to be different. So think about a time when you received news that caused you to be deeply troubled. In the story that we are going to read today, we're going to learn uh, about a young girl named Mary who received news that caused her, as the text said, to be deeply troubled. Much more than other stories that we've highlighted in the Advent series, the story of, Ma the story of Mary is one um, that it's very easy for us to remove all the tension from. And the reason it's easy for us to remove the tension from is because it's a story that we all know really well. Like, um, if you're not a believer, you probably have, have heard, uh, at least a, a believer in the West, you've probably heard, you know, the nativity or you've seen the nativity or the Virgin Mary. And we know the story um, in this room, like we know how the story ends. Uh, and and, and we, we, we know how it ends so much that we can read this story without feeling the weight of, of it all. I, like, of any of it at all. And so, like, we can read through this and never stop to think about the tension and the turmoil and the trouble that Mary would have certainly felt in this. And so this story is a story 
about how God chose to be with us in the incarnation. If we're honest, we have to admit, we have a tendency to sort of read this divorced from a a real lived human experience, and Luke doesn't want us to do that. And so that's why I want to begin this morning by prompting you to think deeply about um, a time in your life where your heart was really troubled about something. And when we do this, what happens is it allows us to attune ourselves with Mary in this story. It allows us to see her as a human being. It allows um, us to feel more human in and of ourselves. And I'll say this, one of my main goals as a teacher, one of my main goals as a teacher of the Bible um, is, is to sort of destroy this false idea that the people that we read about in this book are robots with no emotions that they're people with no doubts, that they're people with no fears, and, and, and people who sort of take everything on blind faith and live lives without struggle as they seek out to live the call of God on their lives. That's what I'm aiming to break down for us, family. So, like, we're given these character sketches um, as, 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 as a picture of, of, of people whose stories that seek to help us to, uh, to see, like, how God uses broken humans to carry out his creation work. We're given these stories to help us see that these are real people with real feelings, with real tension, with real emotions, who are walking um, in faith through the deeply troubling times of their life. Putting one foot in front of the other in obedience to God. And, And sometimes they have several steps lined out for them, right? We see that. But more times than not, they're simply taking one step after the other one, small steps. Um, you guys seen Frozen 2? Yeah? My kids are like, there's no way, there's no way that I was going to preach a sermon this Sunday and not mention Frozen 2. The, the lyrics to this song, The Next Right Thing. You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to read some of these. Here we go. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take. But break it down to this next breath, this next step. Time out. Y'all feel that? Not step to step. Breath to breath. The next choice is one that I can make. So I'll walk through this night, stumbling blindly toward the light. Okay, Disney, I see you, right? Right? And do the next right thing. And with it done, what comes then? When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice uh-huh, and do the next right thing. Now, you may be thinking about, who's this guy asking me about my trauma? What troubles me? Quoting song lyrics from a stinking Disney movie, talking about feelings. If that's you, you're probably new, and I want to welcome you again to Resonate Church. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Like, like y'all feel that at a, at a human level, right? Y'all ready to read the Bible now? Right? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Luke 1, beginning in verse 26, says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. 
And the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. She has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for who was called childless. childless, For nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. Now, again, here's what we tend to do with the story. We read about Gabriel's coming to the Virgin Mary um, and and, and telling her that she's going to have a child and the father is going to be God. He's going to reign. The the child's going to reign over the house of Jacob. And you get this picture of this this kingdom of God that's breaking in and this promise. And we we jump from the, the, the angel visiting the Virgin Mary. And we skip right over that whole troubled part. And we say, okay, this is the end reality. And then we skip down to verse 38 with Mary going, all right, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. And here's the thing. All those passages are there, right? They're in the Bible. We read those passages. But, but not stopping to humanize Mary, I believe, removes the amazingness from what is actually going on in this passage. First of all, don't miss this. This story of God's messenger coming to Mary is in itself a story of how God comes to elevate the outsider and the marginalized. We talked about that last week. In in a culture, first century Palestine, where age was revered over youth, where financial performance was valued over poverty, in a place dominated by men, and in a culture where women were considered less than Gentiles and slaves, one author says this, from all cultural indicators, the life of Mary would not be extraordinary. She would marry humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel further than a few miles from home, and one day die like thousands of others before her, a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. And family, God chose a young, poor, virgin girl um, and incarnates her womb with the light of the world. On top of that, like that, if that's not amazing and awesome and crazy enough, on top of that, the setting for this encounter is outside of the cultural center um, of Judaism in Jerusalem. And so, like, this takes place in Galilee of all places. And not just Galilee, but um, Nazareth in Galilee, the place where everybody looks at and goes, nothing good comes from that place. It's the place um, that was least expected and to the to person who, who would have been the most overlooked. It's Mary. So let's shift gears. That's the who, that's the where, that's the what. Let's shift gears. I want to ask you a question and we'll respond to this. What is the thing, what's the thing that unsettles Mary in the text that we just read? You can cheat, you can look down. What's the thing that unsettles Mary? Okay, is it the how it's supposed to happen? Is it the angel? Is it why she was chosen? What is it? What is it? I mean, it's, it's, I've got CSB. If somebody's got another passage, maybe just read that verse. Uh, okay. 
We're, we're on to something there. What else? What does it say? She was troubled, deeply troubled by this what? Greeting. Mine says statement. So I'm not trying to say that it wasn't the how. I think, I think there's a lot of troubling things about the how. But what's interesting that, that, that Luke doesn't say, hey, and again, I'm sure the archangel Gabriel appearing to her in that place was a factor. Note, Luke does tell us that Mary's deeply troubled prior to um, being told that, you know, a virgin is going to conceive the Son of God. Again, I think that added to that probably. Look at verse 28 again. It says this, 28, 29. It says this, And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Deeply troubled because she wondered what type of greeting this could be. The literal construct of this sentence is, is that she continued to ponder the angel's greeting. She kept on thinking, wait, what, what is going on here? Favored woman, like Kayla said, favored woman, the Lord is with you. What Luke is telling us here is that Mary is a student of the story of God. Like, like he's telling us that, that Mary knows the story and she continues um, to, to, to roll this greeting from the angel around over in her mind. And the reason the statement causes Mary to be deeply troubled is because she knows that prophets and teachers before her and kings before her in the history of her people who have been visited by God have heard the same sort of greeting. In every instance, it was an amazing promise of God's presence that came along with not just the God's presence on them, but a radical reorientation of that person's life. The Lord is with you, Abraham. The Lord is with you, Moses. The Lord is with you, Joshua. The Lord is with you, Gideon. It means this. This is what Mary's hearing. Life as I know it is going to be different now somehow. wait this is god who is sending the message right it's god it's god saying favored woman my presence is with you and you may be thinking if this is god speaking to mary and mary knows the story of god so well then why in the world would she be troubled by this encounter well and i think it's because she knows that her life from this point on is never going to be the same the story of god tells us that anytime god says these words to someone it costs them their life Think about other women in the series that we've covered. Their lives have been marked by obedience to God. Again, I, I want to say this a lot. Not perfect obedience, mind you, but a willingness to take uh, another step forward. And it, and it has cost every single one of these women something to do that, right? Every single one. And for every single story, um, we see that they, that they choose the glory and favor of the presence of God in their life over and above their idea of the best life now. Um, it's, it, 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 it causes like God's glory to break in in a profound way. So much so that we are thousands of years later looking back and looking at the favor of God on the lives of these women. Sarah shows us a picture of waiting. And for what it looks like for cynicism to be redeemed in the sun, this sun called laughter. You know cynical people don't laugh, right? I know because I am one. 
Leah shows us a picture of a woman who so wants to feel the love of a man and whose life is radically blessed when she discovers that God actually sees her. And you see this progression of where she is, is progressively um, being blessed by God even though the, the man that she wants affection from just doesn't even care. And she gets to this place where she's able to see that even he's honoring her in some way. Ruth leaves her homeland and her family behind for a new God, for a new people, a new land, and brings new life and restoration to a family in Bethlehem. If you stop for a minute, like, like, and this is, this is the thing that I, that I want you to, to discuss with somebody um, nearby. We'll give you about 40 seconds. It's random, I know. We got time. What are some things that you know about Mary and her life that may have to change or potentially could change based on this message that Gabriel has given to her? Does that make sense? This is what you're discussing with, with a neighbor. What are some things that you know about Mary that are going to probably change or potentially change based on this message that she's just received? Ready? Go. If you don't know the person around you, be sure to introduce yourself. All right, what are some things we know about Mary that, are pro that may change after she receives this information? What do we know about Mary? Okay, she's engaged. Why does that matter? In fact, what does Matthew's gospel say about Joseph? Yeah, right. He's like, I, I know, uh, yeah, I know what happened here. <laughs> He's gonna, so, so there's that that's in her mind. She's betrothed to this man. Now, why is that a big deal for a, I mean, most people believe that she's between the age of 12 and 14. Um, she's definitely poor. She's living in, I mean, she's off the beaten path in Galilee, not just in Galilee, again, in Nazareth. And so, and women are not valued there other than being uh, homes for children or baby factories. So why does that matter? that she get married. Yeah, safety. You got a whole culture that's saying this is this is this your all of your worth is bound up here. Right? And I mean you think about this. That's not the the narrative that is in Joseph's mind. Like I dare say that I don't know. Like I I dare say that not a man in this room would not be thinking that same thing, right? And if he's thinking it, and he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to go through with this, then what are probably every other man thinking? Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else do we know about Mary that may change here? Do, do, you, think, do you think being a pregnant woman in that culture outside of Marriage would be an easy thing or a hard thing? We're going to get there in just a second. Time out. You're, you, Barbie always trying to get my punchline. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, so she's, I mean, a lot of people talk about how, um, I mean, this was, 
this was the scarlet letter before the scarlet letter, right? This was, this was ostracized. I mean, at, at best, it was just ostracized. At worst, it meant death for her. Like the stigma of being impregnated before getting married. And, and, and not just that, but like, like making up this, this quote-unquote crazy story that, oh, yeah, I mean, the Father is God, you know? In a very real sense, like we need to feel the weight of, I mean, it's, it, it would be hard to be a young woman, um, but to be this young, like, like this, this young woman, Mary, would have been astronomically more difficult in this situation. So, like, that, that's what I want us to see here. Like, Mary, Mary um, the mother of Jesus, did not float three inches off of the first century Palestinian dirt. She was a young girl who really lived in a real place and time. And the scriptures tell us was deeply troubled when she received this good news that God favored her and that his presence was with her. As Mary rolled these things over in her mind, she began to humbly seek some answers. And, and, and so, like... Here's the thing. Here's like, here's like a question for you, and we're not going to take time to answer this, but, but why do we ask questions in times of deep sorrow or deep grief or when we're troubled deeply? I think the answer to that is because we want answers, right? That's why we ask questions. We want answers because we are, what we're looking for in that sense is this peace that we can kind of cling on to, something firm to hold on to, and that's what Mary's doing here. The first question that she asked was in regard to her bearing a child. In verse 34, Mary says this. So she's trying, to, she's trying to get some answers to what's going on there. She hears it, and Mary asks the angel, she says, How can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? And if, a, if you're a virgin girl and an angel tells you that you're having a baby, that's, that's, a, pretty first, that's a pretty great first question, I would say. She's, she's saying, I know how this works. <laughs> And notice this, if you, if you know the Gospel of Luke, you know that right before this account of Mary, um, Luke tells us about this man named Zechariah who's a priest. And Zechariah is an old man and his wife is old. We're going to talk about them a little bit more in just a minute. But they've not been able to have children. She's been barren and, and she feels the shame. It's kind of weird that, that she's old and is, is barren. She feels the shame. Mary is a, she is, she's a, a virgin. Like her womb is also... Uh, barren, she's without child, but she's also like going to feel the, ch- the shame for having a child. See that? Zacharias, is, is he gets his card pulled to go into the Holy of Holies. That was a high honor to go into the Holy of Holies to tend, hear this, go into the Holy of Holies to tend to the presence of God. So here's the thing. I'm a priest. If I'm going into the Holy of Holies, what am I expecting is going to be in the Holy of Holies? The presence of God, right? He goes in there, Gabriel is there, and he's actually terrified the fact that God showed up there. If you think about this, I mean, it, it, he's terrified at the place that God, you, you would have expected God to be present. Mary is not as terrified with the presence of the angel as the fact that God's presence is coming outside of the temple to be on her. In her. Zacharias told that he and his wife are going to conceive in their old age and have a son who would be the forerunner to the Messiah. Zacharias' response. Now, it sounds like Mary's, but it's not like Mary's. Zacharias' response is, how can I know this? 
And what we know from later on is this is kind of the, this is kind of the thing that, that people ask for all the time, uh, especially religious leaders. They, they're saying, basically, I want a sign. Show me a sign. Mary's humble question is simply, how can this happen? And I, I would just submit to you that the humble response of humanity to the divine is what we see in Mary. It's, it's looking at God and going, okay, how can this happen? It presupposes that God will have to work if it's true, right? If, that's, if this is true, it's presupposing that God's going to have to work in order for it to be true. And here's what happens. Look at verse 35. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. She has uh, conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, there's that, that verse. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Now, um, it, I'm certainly not of the opinion um, that for Mary, verse 38, uh, for her, um, every T was crossed and every I was dotted. And the reason I know that is because life just doesn't work that way. And if I, if I know anything about Luke's gospel, again, he's showing us a picture of real humans who encounter the real Jesus, right? What we do see in these verses is a picture of Mary's resolve to lean into what God's doing. So look at verse 39. This is the first thing that she does. If she says, I'm a servant of the Lord, this is the first thing that she does. Verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a, ta- to, to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Um, we're not going to go into all the kind of ins and outs of all this. I'm sorry, I don't know why that's doing that. But I love the fact that we're able to see what Mary does with her troubled heart. She hears about someone else. The angel tells her about someone else who is experiencing something similar to her. Right? Notably, a woman who has been barren her entire life, who's now pregnant in her old age. And Mary, like Mary relates because this is a woman who's a virgin who is not supposed to be pregnant either. And there's this thought, I'll go to Elizabeth. There is this intentionality to retreat from what she's doing and run to a place where she believes that she can find some community. A place where she can find some camaraderie. A place where someone understands, um, who likely understands what deeply troubled really means. And here's the thing, like, why might Elizabeth be deeply troubled? Well, she's old and she's pregnant. She's barren. She knows what the shame of not having a child feels like. She knows what the shame of not being a mother feels like. She is likely troubled because... She's, again, she's old and she's pregnant. Like, what if the pregnancy goes off the rails? She's also troubled because um, her husband asked the, the angel a question and now the brother can't speak. Maybe that's a blessing. I don't know. 
But something happened there, and he can't speak. When these women come together, I love this picture, man. When these women come to get together, the Spirit does something amazing. Y'all hear this. When these women come together in community, the Spirit does something amazing. He uses Elizabeth to affirm what God has said to Mary. Right? It's attunement. I love this picture that Luke is showing us of the deeply troubled Mary running toward community with a woman that she knows and trusts and who just might be able to relate to her in that moment. Now, their situations are not apples to apples, but they're really, they're really unique, right? Think about this for a minute. When have you found yourself in a similar place, like, 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 and, and, like the, the whisper and the hiss in your ear is no one knows what you're going through right now. You, you're deeply troubled because you did this to yourself. And all you want is cling to something that, that you can hold on to, something hopeful, something to have peace in. I love that Mary runs toward community, the community of Elizabeth, and there she receives this blessing and this affirmation of the Spirit through Elizabeth. Remember earlier how I said Mary was a student of the story of God. When, when the Spirit through Elizabeth affirms this and what, what the message um, that the angel sent to her, um, Mary like busts out. Like she just starts preaching the story of God here in this song. Look, let's read this together. This is amazing. Verse 46. Mary said, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now, uh, from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her, Elizabeth, three months, and then she returned home. Isn't that beautiful? Mary is reorienting her situation around what she knows to be true about how God has worked in history. And so what is all this saying to us? Well, I, I think the life of Mary is one that recognizes that the world that we live in, I mean, she says it in the, in the Magnificat. She says it. the world is in need of redemption. It's in need of redemption. We have, we have, our, um, we have the Imago Dei like all out of whack. We elevate people who are rich and we crush the heads of the poor. It's, it's all out of whack. And, and, and here's the thing. She's saying we need redemption. And what's happening in her life is, is actually she is, she's, she's giving credence to the fact that that's what God is doing in and through her. Her story is one that we, that we can't um, cast off as untroubled, right? 
Like we can't remove, like when we, I love um, Scott Erickson's artwork. If you don't know who that is, you should probably follow him on Instagram. His artwork, it's, it's a little controversial, but like here's the thing. It, it helps us understand the incarnation um, in, in things like birth pains and things like blood and water and, and stretch marks and dirt. Like all of that is the reality of birth. All of that's a reality. All of that is what our, our mother Mary, Jesus' mother Mary, endured to bring redemption into the world. That's a picture of Advent. It's a picture of, of like she was literally indwelt with the, P, the Prince of Peace and brings him forth in, in and through birth pains. She knew what it felt like to live in a cursed land. She knew what it felt like to have sin all around. She knew what it felt like to have fear in her heart and anxiety in her heart and troubled in her heart, be troubled in her heart. She would feel, even, even in all of this, like the reality is, is that Joseph um, was still, he, he got a vision, Matthew tells us, of an angel too. He says, no, no, stay married to her. This is what's been done. So the angel confirms what happens in her, uh, in her uh, as well. And and. But the thing is, is that she still feels the judgment and the ridicule. When they look at Jesus later, they look at him um, as the illegitimate son, and, and Jacob is a chump. I'm sorry, Joseph is a chump. You really believe that? She'd feel the eyes of judgment from everyone. Here in the story that we read this morning, she knew the feeling of deeply troubled. Like, that didn't stop. Our friend, uh, Emily Seal, who's created these amazing works of art, um, to my left and your right, um, the one, the very last portrait on your right is of Mary. And again, you have to get up uh, later to kind of look at all the details of this and read the words and the lines and all these things. But here's what Emily says about this piece. She says, this piece uh, is representative of the song of Mary. She says, I love the words of praise she spoke by the power of the Spirit. I wanted to show her strength and peace that only God can give when we face very scary and big things in life. It's a beautiful thing. Listen to this. It's a beautiful thing to be a vessel for God's glory. Family, Mary's song is that. It's, it's that. Mary, Mary's song is that. If we look at just the song, it is pregnant with peace for the troubled. It's a song that puts into composition a woman who is willing to struggle forward in order to give glory to God. It's the song of a disciple. It's the song of a disciple. Um, it's the song of someone um, who has literally been indwelt with the power and the presence of God and who is leaning into the hard things of life, not just solo, but in community with God and in community with others and rehearsing the good news of the kingdom that is to come. When the boy Jesus is born... Angels come to shepherds like, get how this fleshes itself out. When the boy Jesus is born, angels come to shepherds and they communicate um, to them that, hey, the Christ has been born. And then as the, like they're you know, freaking out, scared to death because angels don't, just ha don't, don't come to shepherds in a field, right? And they proclaim to them glory to God in the highest and peace to those with whom he is well pleased. Well, who is that? 
Who is the well-pleased one? That's the one who the Father has found his ultimate pleasure in, his own son Jesus, and through his life and death and resurrection um, of his son, we're invited into that same union with Christ. Like a few weeks ago, we talked about the the resurrected Jesus um, entering a locked room to meet with his troubled, fear-filled disciples. And do you remember how he greets them when he goes through the door? What does he say? First thing. Peace be with you. Right? Peace be with you. Isn't it crazy that they're more scared? In the Great Commission, Jesus' parting words are this, very similar to what the angel says to Mary, I'm with you always till the end of the age. A presence is upon you. Y'all hear this? Resonate family? Jesus tells us something amazing and something very unsettling. It's the same thing he tells uh, Mary. His presence is always with us. Following him means giving up our lives, and, and that indeed unsettles us, I think. Unsettles me. I don't know about you. I may, I may um, portray that I float three inches above the ground, but I assure you I do not. What do we do with this? We, he's with us, always. And I think Mary shows us what it looks like to seek the peace of God, to ponder the story. What the, thing, the, thing, the reason I keep talking about how Mary knew the story so well is that we've got this, this, this young girl who's been taught the story, and what Luke wants us to know about her is that she's a contemplative. Right? She is rolling these things over. Like, like late when the, when the shepherds leave, what does it say about Mary? She hears all these things, and what does she do in her heart? She ponders all these things in her heart. She treasures those things in her heart. They take, they take um, little baby, eight-day-old Jesus um, to, be, to be consecrated at the, at the temple, and you've got this old man who's saying, oh, the, you know, my eyes have seen the Lord has come. Now I can die now because I've seen them facing the Messiah. And she's hearing this. But then, like, understand, too, the grace of God in our trouble that even Jesus' own family thinks he's a crazy man at some point. Right? Whenever she sent, like, the family sends kids to go get Jesus, and he says, hey, mom wants you. He's like, you need to come on. You're acting crazy. Like, there's, there's room for that, too. Like, we've got to reorient ourselves around perfect peace, right? God causes us to have trouble in the things that we believe are going to give us peace in order to lead us into perfect peace. Mary is blessed, I think in a sense, among all people because God, I mean, this is an amazing thing. God chose her womb out of every other womb to be the place where the God-man would grow and be delivered. And y'all, we should celebrate that. If anything, Protestants diminish that. Mary for us, I think, and I initially... Tim Keller said this. I initially balked at this. Typically, you don't balk at what Tim Keller says, right? (laughs) But he says, Mary for us is a picture of the life of a disciple of Jesus. I think he's right. He shows us a picture, Mary shows us a picture of a woman who's called by God, right? Who's called to be obedient to God. And who is literally filled with the presence of God. 
Isn't that crazy? So here's the question I want us to answer this morning. We're all humans here, right? Thought so. Here's a question I want you to reflect on. What troubles you about what you know Jesus is calling you into? What troubles you about what you know Jesus is calling you into? And here's the thing. You may not be a follower of Jesus here this morning. I can tell you this. It's no accident you're here. In fact, it, 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 shows, you how much, um, it shows you how much the God of the universe loves you. It's no accident you're here. If you're feeling the tension in your heart this morning um, toward Jesus, here's the thing. If that's troubling you, like, would you be willing to trust that Jesus is that perfect peace? Take one step closer to that. You're welcome here, and, and you, there's people around you that want to walk with you as you do that. Maybe you're a believer right now, and, and, and maybe you're troubled over something that is going on, something you've experienced, a wound. Um, would you be willing to reject the idea um, and the lies that, 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 are, that are leading you toward isolation, the lies that you're the only one, and lean into someone in this family or someone, another brother or sister, maybe outside this family, and just trust. Here's what I love about what Mary did. Mary, um, Mary had some semblance of trust that the presence of God was going to meet her in meeting with her relative. Where do you need to hear Jesus say, peace be with you? So let's take some time to think through those questions. What troubles you about what you know Jesus is calling you into? And then I'll pray for us and I'll set up communion.